My name is Willie Bolin. I study influence, persuasion, and leadership in selling and sales management, and I teach people how to sell. In this podcast, we'll talk to some of the world's top sales leaders and see what we can learn from them. Welcome to the Sales Lab. This episode of the Sales Lab is brought to you by the 2021 National Collegiate Sales Competition, a virtual sales recruiting event and role play competition happening March 5th through 8th, and hosted by my undergraduate alma mater, the Coles College of Business at Kennesaw State University, just north of Atlanta, Georgia. Let me read a little bit from their website. The National Collegiate Sales Competition, or the NCSC, Participants come from the most elite sales programs from universities around the world. The exceptional education, training, and faculty have collaborated to develop the next generation of sales leaders. In fact, I'm told there will be about 72 schools sending teams to this year's event, with each of these schools sending multiple student representatives. In other words, this will be a huge source for job candidates. What does it mean for you? Well, if you're a company looking to hire top sales talent, You need to be involved in this. I should point out that in addition to their main event in March, the NCSC will also hold a preliminary virtual career fair on February 12th. So there are plenty of ways to get involved and find the right salespeople for your organization. Visit www.ncsc, as in National Collegiate Sales Competition, dash KSU, as in Kennesaw State University, dot org for more information on how you can get involved. Your competitors might be there, so why not you? Welcome to the Sales Lab. Today's episode begins a three-part series with Alex Homer from the Tom James Company. Known Alex for quite some time. He's got a lot of great things to say. If you're not familiar with Tom James, in my estimation, they're one of the best sales organizations out there. In fact, if I were starting a company, I've, I've told this to them on several occasions. If I were starting a company and I needed to hire some salespeople, I would probably try to scalp some of their salespeople away from them. They've got really great training and development, and I think set a really good example for a lot of other organizations to attempt to emulate. Anyway, in this episode, we're talking a lot about COVID, adapting to COVID, how it kind of felt during 2020 that somebody had changed the rules of the game quite abruptly, what has been affected, what hasn't been affected with regard to selling, how they sell a very tangible product using virtual, intangible media, and what customers are doing to adapt and what salespeople are doing to adapt. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you get a lot out of it. I found the end of YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was interesting. I, a lot of people don't realize it has an end, but it, it does. It has. An end. <laughs> Somewhere in the end, I envision a cat video. You know. So, oh yeah. <laughs> yep. And just says, sorry, uh, all out of cats, all out of you know uh, people at the beach falling off of things or whatever. <laughs> so Alex, you're with Tom James. What is your official title? My official title is a senior sales leader. Okay. I'll tell you what I think you guys do, and you can say, yeah, or no, not at all. So to me, you guys are sort of like this very hardcore person-to-person outside sales organization. And when I think about what you do, it it absolutely requires, in my mind, you to be in front of people, to be interacting with people, to be three feet away from somebody, to, to be in their face, to, sh- to let them touch and feel the product. And you guys essentially make custom clothing. So it's, it's sort of experiential and people want to try it on and see what it feels like. And I am dying to know how you guys 
selling such a physical, tangible product have been managing during all this COVID? Well, we are absolutely a direct selling company. And in the 54 years that we've been in business, our business model has been predicated on the practice of getting in front of our busy gentlemen and ladies' clients at their convenience, whether it's their home or their office. And in the onset of COVID, we have really allowed ourselves to evolve our business model. And and what was revealing is not anything that's earth shattering, because let's face it, we have a subset of the business market that typically buys things online. I mean, look at Amazon and how successful they've been. And if you were to pull the customer about their experience with making purchases online, it's not because they had a salesperson bridging the gap between a picture and a transaction. They really did the the entire process on their own. And so with what we do and the service that we provide, we just decided that, hey, we've been doing this this way for the last 53 years doesn't mean that it's not time for us to evolve our business model so we we can make it an enjoyable and simple experience like purchasing online, but we can add the human touch element to the process by engaging on on a one-on-one consultative basis, but doing it virtually and not in person. So I would say in large part, we're doing a lot better than we deserve to be just because We've been able to adapt really, really quickly to the world that we live in now where people are, are you know, eager to see somebody, but not eager to see somebody, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So let's do this. Can you walk me through maybe a typical week from right before COVID, what you and your uh, sales reps would be doing under normal circumstances and then how that's changed uh, as a result of the quarantine? Absolutely. So like most sales organizations, you know, we are a an organization that is individuals seeking to accomplish a team objective. And every single salesperson has their sales targets. And in the office, we have our sales reps, we have our sales leaders, and we meet every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday morning for a morning meeting uh, for 30 minutes. And we do training, we do product knowledge, or we'll have some sort of a motivational meeting. We do it at the start of the day. We disseminate any important information, and then we are off as individuals to see our appointments. And so on an average, you know, day, Monday through Friday, we have the morning meeting. It ends at 8 a.m. And then you're off and running to your appointments, typically between 8 and 3 or, you know, in my case, typically 8 to 5. And uh, with a phone block squeezed into the day, typically from 3 to 5. So you're typically seeing anywhere between five to seven people on an average day, and then you'll have a debrief with the group at the end of the day, uh, specific to how was your day, what were your results, and then we break for either evening appointments or finishing up details, and then you leave. And so that is pre-pandemic what the schedule is Monday through Friday for most reps at Tom James company-wide, not just in Houston. And so since then, obviously, we've had to do all of our meetings uh, virtually. 
And um, in the beginning of the pandemic, because we're in Houston, and as you know, Texas opened considerably earlier than perhaps a Los Angeles and New York City or some other cities, Mm. um, we did most of everything of what we do from your kitchen table. That includes the morning meeting, that includes your client consults, and it includes your phone block. And uh, that went on for about six, seven weeks. And then as things kind of eased up and we started to reopen, it it became somewhat of a balance between virtual and in-person consultations. And I can't speak on behalf of other markets because Texas, being more conservative economically, you know, we opened quite fast. And so we were back at it, you know, I would say the, the early to mid part of May and have been since. However, you will have some clients that are a bit apprehensive on seeing people in person. So people are still conducting their visits virtually, but there are people that are seeing others in their office or in their home during this time. Okay. And what is the difference between running a face-to-face meeting and running a virtual meeting? I mean, how do you have to adapt to that? That's a fantastic question. What I have found is in a face-to-face meeting, the product really does sell itself because people can see things in a more tangible way. What I have found with going virtual is I was spending a considerable more amount of time on the front end preparing for my appointments, preparing better dialogues, being a little bit more descriptive about the product so that um, people are more able and apt to get a sale or to make a purchase virtually, so to speak. Willie, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Um, there's there's considerable amount of noise outside my office. Let me just <laughs> I, and I and I don't want the audio to pick this up. No, probably yeah, I can hear a little bit of it. But actually, you know, we can we can build that into the story, I think, right? Nice. The noise that we hear in the background, I'm guessing is people, you know, getting appointments or or making a sale or something like that. So it's yeah. it's late Friday afternoon. You guys are still going strong, huh? Yeah, people are cheering on a, a big sale, which is great. In an environment where people are usually out of the office all day, every day seeing clients, and now that we have a little bit more in-office interaction, it, it helps keep the motivation up. That's interesting. Yeah, maybe a, so a little bit of an unforeseen benefit of having to do this more virtually. Yes, absolutely. Are there any other uh, unforeseen benefits? You know, the, the the great unforeseen benefit, as you can imagine, being a field sales rep, you just think about the considerable amount of resources that it takes to operate that way. I am a high producer at Tom James, and it's not uncommon for me to drive between 48 and 55,000 miles a year. Mm. And when you factor, depending on the kind of car that you drive, you figure three to four tanks of gas a week times four weeks in a month, and you've got a pretty considerable gas bill at the end of the year and through each month. So an unforeseen benefit is by doing these things things virtually, you can actually compress the, your appointment times. Um, you can take them from your kitchen table. I've had a Zoom call from uh, the pool at, at a hotel. I've done it at a truck stop and it made no impact on the effectiveness of the appointment. And so I am not driving nearly as much as I used to. I'm not putting the wear and tear on my vehicles as much as I used to. And my business expenses at large are considerably down because of that. 
And so that's become a very useful, effective way to compress time and increase productivity. Well, that's interesting. And, you know, not even to mention the fact that it's stressful to be in traffic and all of these things. I guess the wear, the mental wear and tear of having to fight for parking places and all of these things. Well, what people don't understand is when you're behind, you're behind the wheel and you have so much of that windshield time. It can take a toll on your body and it can take a toll on your mindset and it can actually have negative implications on the appointment because you're not in the moment. You're still frazzled because you're running late or it took you too much time to find the parking spot and you're frustrated. And so I just find myself a little more at ease these days because it's not the rat race that it, it used to be. And, and that's been a an unforeseen benefit from doing things virtually. Interesting. Okay. Any, any other surprise benefits? Another surprise benefit, it really is in the beginning when you when your business model is predicated on, on pressing flesh and face-to-face interaction, we have come to find out that people are really receptive to making purchases this way. Custom clothing is a very intimate, somewhat detail-oriented process. And our IT department was already in the works to try and streamline this from an e-commerce perspective, not to mention our presentations. But it's been a pleasant surprise that our clients were pretty soon after the onset of the COVID shutdowns, very receptive to purchasing clothing this way. And so we're able to see clients, we're able to do virtual fittings with clients, and it's it's not forced us to reinvent our business model, it's just forced us to evolve it. Well, that's good. That's good. And then, of course, I need to ask about the surprising benefits. We should probably ask about the downsides. What would have been some of the unpleasantries? So, for example, day like today, I had three Zoom calls, and I'm somebody that I'd like to pride myself that I have a, a higher batting average when it comes to my sales. As I've grown over these last 12 years, Um, selling over Zoom is not always the most effective. Sometimes people are like, okay, great. Well, uh, I need to get together and actually see the fabric or I need to do this or I need to do that. Or um, if it's somebody that needs to get, excuse me, needs to get a set of measurements. Well, that's not something that you can necessarily do without physically taking them. We're not quite at that place where we are comfortable just having a camera scan somebody and hope it works out. We really believe in the craftsmanship and the technicalities of our of our training and how we've been taught how to measure accuracy is really important to us. So that's still a face-to-face part of the business. So you have that. From an appointment perspective, having Zoom calls makes it easier for for a lack of commitment or a lack of follow-through. People can stand you up quite easily when they have an, an electronic commitment versus a physical one. People can forget People can have technological difficulties, which makes that process a bit of a challenge. And so today, you know, you have three Zoom appointments and, you know, I was 0 for 3. And that's not common for me face to face. So my batting average is a little different with doing things virtually, but, you know, that that's not necessarily a function of it not working. It's just, you know, you got to account for the averages changing when, the buying atmosphere is completely different. Yeah, for sure. Well, and the second downside that you just mentioned is is kind of the first thing that comes into my mind, right? That just like anything over the phone, right? If you take away the sort of social pressures that force us to sometimes be polite to one another and follow through on expectations, you take those things away by doing it virtually or over the phone, you could wind up with a lot of sort of lingering opportunities that 
just never never came through. What I wouldn't have expected actually is the first one you mentioned, where in essence, you know, there's a risk that you're adding a brand new step to the sales process, and you're still going to have to go out there and do the face to face call. So then it's like, okay, well, it's more efficient, except you've just added at least one more hurdle into the sales process, which uh, could be could be a bummer. Absolutely, and 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 you're not dealing with in the in in the 2020 you know phenomenon of the the year that that it's been thus far, and you you know that more than most. It's not as simple as going, okay, great, I'll be there in 30 minutes or I'll be there tomorrow. You really have to navigate very, very judiciously the the virus. And it's added a step in, in some cases, particularly with, with new prospects, which is fine, but it's added that step and it's just navigating that strategically because – you're dealing not with the complexity of, of challenging, you know, how challenging it is because it's not. You're dealing with people's legitimate concerns for their well-being. And we have so many safe practices and safeguards in process so that we keep ourselves safe, keep our clients safe. But uh, you're still going to have to deal with the uncertainty and, and concern and fear that your prospects and clients have with actually meeting people. And so, you know, I saw a client last week, he placed an order back in March. Well, he's not been very comfortable seeing anybody until last week. And he needed to get some updated measurements. And so it's a rare circumstance, but it's a circumstance that we're willing to work around because we want our clients to be comfortable and, and when they are, then we are. And so, but if you had asked me in 2019, hey, this client's going to make a purchase in March and they need to get measured five months later, I'd have said that's there, that's an impossibility, you know, but that's the, that's the reality of the situation in, in 2020. Now, I have to wonder if there's a difference between someone who's established like you, who's maybe calling on an existing book of business compared to somebody who's maybe brand new, who's doing a lot of prospecting and cold calling. And is there a difference between those two types of calls or types of sales opportunities in terms of moving it to the virtual selling? Very much so. With what we do, we're not selling you know, brain surgery. We're not selling aortic valves. We're selling custom clothing and you establish a long-term relationship with someone and it really becomes a consultative process that you, that you largely have autonomy in because it's based on a foundation of trust. Mm. When you're calling on new prospects and new clients, that trust has to be established because it's not there yet. It's not existing. So you call on your existing clients, and in a lot of cases, you are already picking their items out for them. You merely show them ideas, and you find out what they're intrigued by and what they aren't intrigued by, and that's pretty much it. But with a, a new prospect, not only do you have to build rapport and build a relationship, but you have to build trust, but you're doing it in a virtual setting. So the environment is completely different between the two. The end goal is the same. But the atmosphere, the buying environment's completely different. And so what have you noticed either in your own personal sales or with your team? What have you noticed they have to do differently now that they can't be in person with the client? So with a change in practice always comes a new set of objections, challenges, things like that. And one of my old sales mentors told me that the best time to answer an objection is before it happens. And so with our clients, we've had to change our presentation both in person and 
on the phone. We did a pretty decent amount of pre-screening on the phone before booking a a face-to-face appointment. And now whether it's a virtual appointment or a face-to-face appointment, we do even further pre-screening and we qualify the appointment further. So for an example, in 2019, we might say, hey, what might you be open to looking at when I come to see you? Would it be this aspect or that aspect? Now we say, great, what we're going to do is X, Y, and Z. The process is going to go this way and this is how it's going to go. We never used to explain that before because it wasn't necessary. People make assumptions about how that process is going to go. Well, the salesperson's going to come and show me clothing. If I say yes, we're probably going to grab a round of measurements. If I say no, they'll probably jump headfirst out of the window and we'll both move on with our lives. And now in 2020, they have to be educated on what the process looks like so that they know that it's going to be done properly, but it's also going to be done safely. And that's assuming that there there's a match between us and them. Well, that's I, I actually like that a lot. I'm, I'm trying to I'm thinking about that in terms of a lot of different contexts, right? I mean, if you know if I have a doctor's appointment, there's a big difference between them saying, uh, "All right, well, you know, show up at 4:30 later," and exactly. them saying, "Okay, we'll see you at 4:30 on Friday." And remember, uh, you know, we're going to need you to see your insurance card because the one we have expired or something, and make sure that you have drinking plenty of water or whatever, you know, that they, they give you some instructions and it, and it makes that follow-up task very clear, you know, thinking back to my day selling, you know, to say, okay, Alex, well, I'm going to meet with you to talk about accounting services uh, at 4.30. See you then. Well, you know, I can get a lot more bang for my buck by saying, okay, Alex, you know, we're 4.30, you know, all the logistical things, sure. But when I get there, we're going to need to think about exactly how you're handling your accounts. And it's going to be helpful if you have a couple of documents with you, right? And instead of me just showing up and sort of surprising you, then, you know, you you have a little bit of homework, you know more of the details of what's coming. That's interesting. I like that. And we do that just because it eliminates a lot of the objections on the back end. And so when somebody knows that we're going to be able to accomplish 95% of what we would in a face-to-face appointment on a virtual setting, then they already know, great, we're going to be, we're going to get all the way to the altar and then we'll get married when the priest is there. We're taking a one-step appointment process and we're dividing it into two steps, but that second step is is five percent of it, and we're really yeah. largely accomplishing the ninety-five on that on that virtual piece. And when you present it the right way, and the client understands that, it really is as seamless as doing it in one spot. Interesting. Do you notice that some of your team members are really thriving in the way they're adapting, and uh, you know they're able to weather this very well? And then others are really struggling. And if so, what are what are some of the differences? What what would you attribute those differences to? So that is a fantastic question, and and we'll spend a couple minutes on that because I think that's that's that bears um, answering in 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 a multitude of different ways. So if you were a professional football player and they say, okay, well, here's the rules of football. You score six points once you cross the end zone and, you know, you kick a a 40 yard kick and you get a point or you can run it in for a two yard conversion or whatever the case may be. And that's all you knew for 
54 years. And then, you know, the commissioner of the NFL league says, okay, the game of football is changing. Touchdowns are now worth four points and field goals are worth four points. And this is worth two points. And all of a sudden the scores start to, you know, the processes start to, to be completely different than what you're used to. There is a coping period that you have to go through because you're just wondering, well, I'm still doing the same game. I'm still playing it. Although the rules are different we're still selling the product we are we're just having to do it differently there's this coping and adjustment period psychologically that you go through and the people who short track that are the ones that really hit the ground running and what we have seen within our organization and like many others and theirs have is you have some people who rise to the occasion on that really fast. They're just really fast adapters. And then you have some people who go through that coping life cycle and they drag a little bit through it. It's, well, why are we having to do it this way? I'm so used to it being in that way. And it was so easy. And can are people even going to make purchases this way? Are people going to even see me? What's the rest of the year going to look like? And man, are people just going to stop dressing up and are they going to go back to their office ever again? And it's like all of these emotions weigh on you. And we've had a considerable amount of people rise to the occasion and it's been phenomenal. But we also have had some some folks um, in our company that have struggled with that. And, you know, you have to get to a place of acceptance really, really quick. And when you do, then you can pivot the obstacles and they don't need to be complete, full-blown obstructions. They can just be little speed bumps that you navigate around. And to what do you attribute the people that are doing well and the people that are struggling? Is it something about their outlook, something about their upbringing, a a personality trait? What, What do you see? Well, being in a sales career, particularly a commission sales career where it's really on you and you have to hold yourself exponentially more accountable, it doesn't create character challenges. It reveals them. Mm. And so you learn more about yourself during times of adversity than when things are going great. And so if you're somebody that adapts really fast, that's just kind of how you've trained yourself to be. Now, I do believe that it's a choice. So it's not like you can you choose to not be that way and then never be different. You can choose to not be adaptable and then choose to be adaptable. And the second part of that, besides, you know, maybe how how things were before is just, are you goal oriented? Are you running towards something? Do you have things that are driving you? Do you have that, that, that ambition? Because the goals are the vision on the horizon that keep you moving forward when the waves are crashing. You know, you keep your eyes looking forward and Whatever drops in front of you, you try to sidestep that as best you can because you have your eyes moving forward. And so the folks that have been doing the best through that are the ones that are very goal-oriented, very, very focused, and then the ones that are just adaptable by choice. That's just who they are. And with those combination put together, it could be a pandemic, it could be an economic situation, it could be whatever, people will find a way. And they'll show others the way to do it. Yeah, for sure. We're going to stop it right there for now. Please dive into the next episode of the Sales Lab to hear the conclusion of this interview. By the way, if you like what you've heard so far, be sure to subscribe and rate the podcast on whatever app you use to listen. Also, share this with your colleagues and friends, and let's continue to have a deeper discussion on all things related to selling and sales leadership. 
See you next time in the Sales Lab.